Burying a loved one usually involves picking out a casket and headstone or an urn and spending thousands of dollars. A first-of-its-kind cemetery has been established here in New Hampshire and is looking to disrupt the funeral industry. Hello, I'm Matt Mowry, editor of Business New Hampshire Magazine. And I'm Nathan Carroll, founder and president of Cardinal Consulting, and welcome to BizCast NH. Matt. Yes, Nathan. Oh, see, I'm glad you're paying attention. I woke Um, up. Here's the thing. I want to talk about something, but it doesn't directly affect me because I run Cardinal out of my palatial basement office, (laughs) right? So I'm always in my office slash home or work from home, whatever we want to call it. But um, wondering what your perspective is on the return to office. Oh, that is the the million dollar question that everyone's trying to answer on that and what to do about it. So I have been working from my living room from my armchair for the past 18 months, which I have to say I had an hour commute each way and I'm not missing that at all. I'll bet. Oh my God. But I'm missing my coworkers. Like I see them every day or talk to them every day, but you know, Zoom and phone call just isn't the same. You right. know, you can't have that that magic conversation, you know, when you're passing by and you're yeah, just, you know, like the water cooler. Conversation, yeah. You're just you know? talking. And then all of a sudden you get into a conversation that just leads to like that Eureka moment. You're like, yes, we need to do that story. So that part I'm missing, but you know, I have to really respect, you know, the stance my boss has taken, which is, you know, things are in flux and we want to protect everyone. And so, you know, the decision has been made that, um, you know, we're going to remain uh, remote for now because we're making yeah. it work. And then, you know, we were kind of do that hybrid model. Eventually we'll start going back, but we'll only go back part time. And, you know, we're all kind of digging that idea. I think, you know, the new reality is set in and the flexibility this has afforded me at home to see my kids more. I mean, most of the time, that's a good thing. But, um, you know, <laughs> but Boy, do I, I mean, feel that one? I know. But, you know, I, I, you know, there's so many businesses struggling with that question because not, it's not like everybody is of the same mind in a business. Right, right. I mean, there are there are folks that are saying, back to the office. There are folks that are saying, like, you guys are hybrid. There are folks that are saying, we're getting rid of the office. If we need to get together, we'll find a space. Absolutely. It's just changing a lot of decision-making along the board, how offices are designed, whether or not, you know, you, you, now that you have a remote workforce, how do you make your culture work in that? So there's so many questions that come up about it. And the biggest one, I think, is that we're in such a workforce crunch. And so no matter what decision, you know, I, I, it's like a catch-22 for a lot of businesses. No matter what decision they make, there's going to be someone unhappy and probably headed out the door because of that decision. Right, right. Yeah, because those dynamics are important uh, to, to a lot of people in, in different ways. So, um, you know, it's kind of it's kind of uh, turning the industry on its on its head, as it were, um, which may be a great segue into our guest. Yes. Speaking of turning the industry on its head. Absolutely. Awesome. Our guest this week is Mel Bennett, co-founder of Life Forest in Hillsborough, a first-of-its-kind conservation cemetery established in 2019 in a forest where trees are planted to memorialize loved ones. The 13-acre cemetery is surrounded by 80 acres of conservation land where families and friends of those laid to rest can hike trails and swim in nearby creeks. That is wild. Mel, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, I'd like to say that it is very nice to have a, a forest as your 
office, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Talk about your return to the office. Not a bad kind of office. So um, tell us a little bit more uh, and our listeners a little bit more about Life Forest and maybe how you came up with this concept. Well, Life Forest is created to be a space for healing and allowing nature and the respect that you had for loved ones to kind of find a a place to merge and be able to grieve yet live, to continue to, to live your life, but to live your life in respect to and next to where your loved ones are laid to rest. And so one of the unique aspects of this is that, you know, unlike a cemetery where you might have family plots and people are buried next to one another, can you talk about how people can go about burying not just family members together, but pets? And how does that work? So I think when Life Forest came about, I am um, personally not from the death care industry, and I... I took everything that I thought was maybe didn't make a lot of sense to me on on the reasons and said, well, it doesn't have to be this way. And I think that part of that is a lot of people just want to be with their animal companions, their pets, their service dogs. And I know that it happens. People, quote unquote, sneak their family cat or their dog <laughs> in with their, their father or... Mm-hmm. Uh, but but why do we have to sneak it mm-hmm. when these loyal animal companions have been such comforts to us, especially at the time of, of death? So that's one of the aspects is that I think we all want to come back to where we started and having the ability to be side by side with not only your family members, but maybe your, your best friend or whoever you chose to be your family. Yeah. And to be able to to also be with your pets, it, it's important. And um, whomever you'd allow in your home, I think sh- should be a choice for you on who you'd want to be spending eternity with. And um, the ability to do that, having cremation or now composted remains, it makes sense. It doesn't take up a lot of space. So why not allow people to just you know, bring these cremains they have in their cabinets yeah. and join them together under a tree. And that's, be, that's beautiful. Yeah. And to be clear, I mean, that's what we're talking about is that these are cremains that are being buried and not actual bodies. Right. And that's one of the big differences, too, between uh, traditional cemetery and, and what you're doing here at Life Forest. So uh, eight out of 10 people in New Hampshire choose cremation and... So there's a there's a need for space for cremation. Within the green burial world and the natural burial world, cremation isn't always the most, uh, you know, it doesn't have a nod of environmental friendly. But in this mode, if you take this way of uh, disposition and you say, well, we're planting a tree that can offset any sort of carbon footprint that that cremation had. Mm-hmm. So having an eco-friendly ability to place these cremains in a space that's beautiful and natural and protected is an important way to commemorate. 
and also respect the environment in which we live. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Let me, um, I'm going to tell you something really quickly and, and, um, it'll probably, you know, lead right into more conversation. But a few weeks ago we were at home in Massachusetts where my, I'm originally from and I have a son who's five and my grandfather is buried just down the street. So I took him to the cemetery to see what a cemetery was and the stone and all of that, which was important to, you know, to, to understand who are, are, you know, those went before us are and, and learn about that. But it is such, I mean, it's a huge, massive, treeless space um, that you really can't do much in besides maybe take a walk around a, a, a you know, paved path. So the idea of this is not only eco-friendly, it's maybe, you know, even friendlier for those who are grieving right away to not have to um, go through that sort of process, but to be able to return there and be comforted and, every time. So... Um, what I think you're doing is awesome, and, and I'm really curious um, how, why or how you decided to do this. Were there certain uh, moments in life or inspiration or something that, that uh, brought this about? And uh, if we had visuals, everybody would go, oh, she's going to tell a great story because you just lit up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I actually very much appreciate that that story f- from your visit. and. Uh, part of what our mission at Life Forest is, is to create a space where children can embark and not be frightened. It was very, very important to us to be able to allow our children to celebrate the lives of their family. And unfortunately, we have, uh, you know, issues in this world that are taking parents away too soon. And we have a couple of young boys and they lost their dad three and five, and they came with their mom and their grandmother, and they helped to to bury their dad and plant their dad's tree. It was very beautiful, and it was emotional. And after the tree was planted, this little boy looked up to his mom, and he said, Mom, can we go swimming now? And it made me feel like this is right. This is what we should be doing because this little boy brought his little swim trunks and they walked down to the river and and they did something that was light after doing something that was very heavy. And I received messages from his mom saying, thank you so much because I can bring my boys to this space and we go fishing and we celebrate their dad and we talk about their dad in a way that is comfortable, not scary. And so they can talk about this person within a space that allows for happiness as well as sadness. And being able to do that is is a gift, I think. And and I think it's it makes sense especially for these young kids. So I'm I'm very appreciative that you brought up the the fact that you know, explaining this to children and and not being able to kind of embark on something. And then we have this history of scary things with gravestones and burials. and Every movie or cartoon about Halloween, it's all, you know, skeletons and scary stuff in in graveyards. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, you know, Matt has actually visited us and I don't think it feels scary there at all. Yeah. Very peaceful. In fact, you know, I, you know, I had the pleasure, as you said, visiting you for a story that's appearing in our October issue. And uh, you walked me through the process, which I found a 
very illuminating. It's very different, I think, from uh, a traditional burial planning. So can you walk our, our listeners through, you know, as a grieving family member, and I'm, I'm coming to this and, and thinking about doing it, how do you help a family member um, go through this? And, and, ta- and, and especially, you know, selecting a tree, which is used in place of a headstone. So I think that after a, a loss of a loved one, and at least in my experiences, that you have lost all control of being able to comfort this person, manage this disease, whatever it is that's taking them from you. And being able to kind of place a little bit of that control back into a family's hands after a loss, it's it's powerful. And so to walk around, we, we work with an amazing nursery affiliate uh, called Stone Falls Gardens. It's in Henniker, New Hampshire. Darren Black owns that space, and he's also very, very knowledgeable about the trees and what is going to be able to be planted and cross-pollinate appropriately and survive in our, our soils. And so we walk the his property at Stone Falls Gardens, and people are able to look at the different trees, and these different trees may evoke a memory of their loved one that comforts them. Uh, for myself, I chose a dogwood tree for my mom. Uh, my mother always loved dogwood trees, but she was also very frugal, and dogwood trees are expensive. So <laughs> <laughs> my yard never had a dogwood tree. She talked about the dogwood tree and how beautiful it looked and where she would plant it, but nothing was ever planted there. And um, when she passed, it was very important to me to commemorate her with the dogwood tree that she loved so much. And everybody has a story about what tree and why. So the architecture of the branches, anything can draw somebody in. And when they know what tree it is, boy, do they know. So... That is, it's a it's a lovely part of the process of um, being able to commemorate. And I also love that nothing is written in stone at Life Forest. So it feels like a, a comma instead of a period. Mm. Oh, wow. That's lovely. That is lovely. Oh, and, my goodness. And But, um, you know, I think one of the unique things, too, is that you've married nature and technology. So even though you have trees that act as your headstone, um, there's still a way that you further memorialize the person so people can find out who is buried there. Can you talk about that and, and what makes it unique? Oh, I, I appreciate, Matt, that you brought that up because uh, that was an important part of our our credo is just to – Make sure that we balance um, technology with nature. And I know that that's not something that's usually used in the same sentence. But um, I think that cemeteries are a bit antiquated in their approach, uh, both with a legacy and record keeping, as well as commemoration. And every other industry that I know of brings all of this amazing technology to the forefront of what they do but you just don't see it with cemeteries. So we bring in QR codes that are placed at the bottom of the tree uh, that links to a legacy page that allows people to scan that little code and learn anything that they would like about the people and the pets that are buried there. It's a very inexpensive way of commemoration, but that also brings a lot of information and personal 
information to the forefront. It also allows an equity. So a, a big part of what we do is trying to have an equitable approach to burial and commemoration. And in the past, when you visit a cemetery and see this huge, giant, carved angel, and then next to it, a tiny little stone, you think, well, did that person like love that person more because there's this huge, giant, commemorative angel? Or is it just they had the financial resources to do that? Right, right. So wow. technology can bring equity, but it also brings record keeping. So we are right now integrating all of our burials for the families that wish into Google Mapping. So you can type in the name of your loved one. It brings you straight to your loved one's tree. So you get driving directions to the tree, as well as any legacy information that is uh, available for that person. This is clearly and very really a, a cutting edge idea. All of this, this is really neat. And you've, you've said a few things uh, so far that have made me say uh, inside so far that uh, you are a true entrepreneur. Uh, you, you talked about, you know, why, why should it be the cemetery, you know, be the same? Why can't we make change? And that's what entrepreneurs do and say. And, and that's how we innovate and make change. And so now what I'm curious about is um, if you don't have a background in the death care industry, what is your background? What, what, uh, what has the journey been so far for you? <laughs> oh, well, I, I'm a, a mom and a caretaker, and um, I, I can't claim lots of accolade, but I, um, I do care very much for people, and I've had a lot of life experiences and I can incorporate those life experiences into how would I best protect my children from this experience? How would I have wanted to experience this that would have made myself feel more comforted? And um, I do have education in leadership and uh, sociology as well as anthropology. So I, I, I enjoy learning about cultural approach and learning about different ways that people learn and mourn and gather. And so my history and my background was caring for my mother, who was very ill, uh, 50 years old. She had early onset Alzheimer's. And I was part of that sandwich generation where you're taking care of young children as well as a parent simultaneously. There's a lot of us out there. And it's not a comfortable place to be. I can't imagine. <laughs> so um, within that, the loss and learning that I experienced was quite immense. And I took that experience and I said to myself, oh, this isn't how I want this to be for other people. And I mean, I, I laugh with Matt because when he asked that same question, when I was growing up, I grew up in Lawrence. And in the early 80s, there were riots. Yes, there were. Oh. Lawrence, Massachusetts. And it wasn't like riot funny, like, oh, this is a riot. <laughs> oh, no. It was no. like, duck, there's a beer can being chucked at your head. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my word. It was pretty bad. Oh, Lawrence. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, you know, I, I grew up there. The paisans are there, whatever. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. But my mom decided that, you know, her children still need to celebrate the outdoors. So she would bring us to the cemetery because it wasn't safe to be outside. And she would walk us to the back with a big French loaf and an apple and a, maybe a Frisbee, you know, if it was a good day. And we'd get out there and I would say to myself, well, this is just terrible. Like, I, I don't want to be here. I don't want to sit here and eat this crunchy bread here. Like, I want to eat the crunchy bread, just not here. And uh, <laughs> like, come on, mom. Can we get another place? Yeah, place? And she would say, and I, I said to her, mom, I don't like this place. It is sad and it is scary. And she said, oh, sweetheart, don't be ridiculous. Someday I'm going to die and become a tree. And I was like, okay, well, that is ridiculous because <laughs> like, I don't know if you're a, a child of the 80s, but people didn't really cremate back then. I mean, it was just so far from my, my thought, okay, you know, and she's obviously was using the go back to nature euphemism. But after she did pass, I put her in my, my cabinet like people do with cremains. Yeah. And uh, every time I would reach for the turkey tray, I'd say, Mom, I, I'm going to do something for you. But for now, I just need the turkey tray. And I felt this like <laughs> immense amount of guilt around it. Oh. I'm like, she deserves better. Like she deserves something. But mm -hmm. I, there was just mm -hmm. nothing. Yeah. Nothing clicked. Yeah, my dad's cousin was on the you know coffee table next to his next to the chair. So yeah, it's like what is that? What <laughs> put you somewhere better than this? Yeah, you deserve that. You deserve it. <laughs> and I, I could like I have cats, so I couldn't leave her out with us because I'm sure they would knock her over anyway. So I um, I put her in the safest place that I had in my home, and every time I walked past, I felt disappointed in myself that I didn't have better for her, and. I was on the computer one day and I saw these burial pods where you could, quote unquote, become a tree. And I've learned much about that. And I'm not going to get into the tangent about burial trees and burial pods and where that started. But I can say that I loved the concept of, oh, you could like put this urn in the ground and plant a tree on top. That's beautiful. But then I said, well, what am I going to do? planter at my house in Manchester like what happens when I move to the ocean you know <laughs> like, I don't how am I gonna plant I it the boat <laughs> yeah where am I gonna plant this tree by my bungalow at the beach um and then also it was this immense amount of feeling that I would be so responsible for this tree I would have to hire somebody to water the tree when I went on vacation because you know you just can't it's not just a tree. This is a symbol of somebody's life. Um, and then I thought, well, this is no big deal because I could buy a piece of land and then put it in conservation, plant my mother's tree, hire a landscape architect, perhaps somebody that knows about trees. And, and then I can, you know, put it on the deed of the property that she's there. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no big deal at all. No big you know, deal. Piece of cake. Piece of cake. I Spoken got like this. a true entrepreneur. Piece I got of cake. this. <laughs> and that's where my 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 co-founder came in. And he's he's just an amazing guy. He his name's John O'Neill. He's business savvy. He's intelligent. And we're we're connected through our daughter's adoptions. Oh wow. 
Yeah. So I was talking to him about my my mom and then saying that I wanted to do this. And he kind of sat silently and he said, huh. Now I'm going to do a terrible British accent, okay? Mm-hmm. Ready. <laughs> We're All ready right. for because it. Because he's yeah. British. Yeah. This is quite interesting, Mel. <laughs> little Irish bell. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I th- potato. No, he didn't say potato. But anyway. <laughs> Crumpets. I, no, he said, I, I just think that other people would really love this. And maybe this is something we should talk about. And this was at a barbecue, right? Oh, yeah. And he burnt the meat. Like, he can't even. <laughs> oh, I don't even know how I trust the man. Like, he can't even cook a hamburger. <laughs> but 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 he has a good soul and a good heart. So and, and excellent business sense. So we and and what I really admire about the way that John and I operate together is that, you know, we know our, our limitations, but we also are not afraid to ask a lot of questions and learn from people. And John is excellent, excellent about asking questions and learning and thinking about what the answer was and, and how does that relate to what we're doing? And you were very thoughtful, you know, because again, First of its kind, not only in our state, but in the country, correct? To, to have this type of um, conservation cemetery. Can you talk about why conservation land was important and what you've set up to make sure that this land and these trees uh, uh, where people are buried are going to remain in perpetuity? That's a very good question. Uh, the conservation aspect uh, I, I sought out land to begin with that had conservation around it, right? So that was the start. In order to ensure the quiet and peaceful nature of the cemetery, and when this land you know, became available, when we saw it and realized that there was this right-of-way that ran straight through the land that was monitored and watched by the Hillsborough Conservation Commission, it became evident to me that that was an important aspect of this because this allows for a third-party watchdog, and that's not myself, and it's not John. I mean, we know that we're going to serve our families, but this is something that is going to last for generations, so we can't just assume that after we're gone that the next person is going to continue. So having that entity that is a third party watchdog is very important. And, and we have this um, right of way that is accessed and monitored through this conservation commission. And also we provide parking for any members of the public that would like to enjoy the 80 acres that are surrounding. And, you know, we've, we had to get permission from them, et cetera. But uh, another aspect of what we're doing that is very important is is following cemetery law. So there's a reason that it's there. And um, because we are following cemetery law, the tree, the burial tree, is protected as it would a gravestone or a headstone. So uh, the actual RSA is on the website under cemetery law, if somebody would like to look it up. TheLifeForest.com. There it is. Say it again. (laughs) TheLifeForest.com. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, um, being able to coin your burial tree as your memorial marker 
ensures that nobody can go and, and harm it. So the tree that you plant is protected, literally protected by law. And only family members can make cho- choices around that tree. Does that answer your question? That does beautifully. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. And and so, you know, can you talk about, I mean, the, the thought you put into this area too and what you're doing, as you've alluded to before, it goes beyond just a place to visit and and remember a loved one, but you've designed it so it can be enjoyed afterwards. Can you talk about some of the different aspects that are, you, you've included in uh, Life Forest to do that? Sure. Um, so we have an acoustical concert series that is run throughout the months of the summer and fall, once a month. And this gives a a safe place for our family members to come and sit and enjoy each other's company. Our artists dedicate their set to the loss of a loved one, and they bring us on a musical journey of their experience with the person that they lost. So they sing songs about their relationship or that reminded them of them. And it gives this opportunity and a space where we can we can talk and embrace in a light and and way. You know, I think when when we used to drive down the road, you see these old churches with graves in the yard, right? So graveyard, church with a graveyard. But I think as cemeteries became more of a municipally run place, there was an absence absence of church. And that church in my mind was the community. And so, I mean, one can exist without the other, but you're missing something. So there's this element, and um, it's called gift economy. If you Google what gift economy is, it's a, it's a really beautiful way of approaching abundance. And we have this, in, in a lot of business, we have this feeling and approach that if you create scarcity, that that brings economy. So there's only three houses on the market, so you're going to pay higher because there's a scarce amount. And in this environment, and I can't speak for other businesses, but there's no reason that you can't create gifts and give in order to build and receive. And so there's um, an article on our website www.thelifeforest.com. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, keep that. Uh, keep yeah, that. We're but, keeping that in. <laughs> it's, um, and, and it talks about gift giving through a service berry bush. I would recommend anybody that is interested in learning more read that. It's, it's, it's quite profound. But if we give of this space, we deed record everybody's ownership of the plot which gives them right-of-way access always for family members and beneficiaries, which is new to the cemetery industry. That allows ownership of space in, in the sense of, this belongs to me. So our, our members of the Life Force community, as we coin it, can book the land at no charge. It's there for us, too, to have family events or gatherings. If you want to Get married under your grandmother's tree? Why not? Uh, we want to celebrate life here. So 
Uh, I think that's kind of an approach that's been an important aspect of what is drawing people in our community garden, the ability to come to a concert. We have children's book reading events. We're currently working with Amanda Goodall from Riverbend in Concord, and she's facilitating the authorship of a children's book about death. And we are sponsoring it and and paying for production of that so that people have a gift to give to their children in order to help to process this immense loss. Wow. You are a thoughtful human. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's so it's so awesome to be listening to you and and talking with you um so thank you and i um i have a it sort of almost feels like a nuts and bolts sort of question but i want to ask it uh as to and also maybe get to sort of the future of life forest and ideas that you have perhaps thought about is um you have was it about 80 acres uh what happened what's the capacity of that as it were and what happens when that is quote unquote full or does it get full um will you have other land and and um yeah talk to us a little bit about that and to be explicit i don't think we've actually come out and said this is in hillsborough yes 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 Hillsborough, new hampshire yes so um, we actually have 13 acres, and there's 80 acres surrounding us. Ah, of, thank of you. That's what it was. Land. Thank you. Yeah. So we those are those do not are not owned by Life Forest. They're owned by the Conservation Commission of Hillsborough. But um, I think your question is is very directly related to this ideal of and thought about scarcity and how do you give so much and what happens when you fill up. So. The reality is there may be a time that the life forest land fills up, uh, especially because trees take up a lot of space if you want to do it correctly. You definitely need to give space for that tree to grow and thrive and also have space from the trees next to it in order to not cross-pollinate in negative ways. So the reality is it's 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 very possible that the life forest land will fill and that's okay because if we look at other conservation lands and we kind of build this ideal in this space, it will have other options and other opportunities for people. So I think, you know, we we actually had a, uh, you know, obviously a burial plan and an area that we set aside for our first couple of seasons for burial and planting, and, and we filled this year. It was an immensely busy season, much more. We thought we would have several years from this amount of space, and uh, um we're busy right now uh, plotting and planning other planting and burial areas that are ecologically sound for the existing forest. But um, my hope is, is that we are able to have more locations and protect more land and protect plant more trees. And I think that that's completely possible. The land itself goes into a, a protected conservation space. We have a trails committee. It's run by an environmental scientist on our team named Cameron Ix. He's a very intelligent young man. Uh, Matt got to meet him. And he is working 
with Southern New Hampshire University in order to create classes, credit-based classes, where students can learn about trail maintenance and be able to engage in helping to protect the access, just physical access to the land, to the different tree plots, and learn from it as well. So uh, engaging the younger generation in, in what we're doing is very important because then it involves their passion and their ability to learn and keep this space safe through education. So, And, you know, anyone planning a funeral knows, I mean, a traditional burial can get rather expensive. Can you talk about what the cost is to plant loved ones and pets at Life Forest and, and what are the options that are available? Sure. So uh, we have, it starts with a, a single ash burial space and, and that space doesn't have its its own tree. It has, you're in the presence of a, a memorial tree. And then we also have a pollinator garden, which we're opening for uh, single cremain burials. That allows for a lot of financial accessibility so that the cost of the tree, the cost of the amount of land doesn't have to be wrapped into being able to be part of this space. So we have those options and those are $850. But if a person has some financial reach around that, of course they can speak to us. Uh, We don't charge to bury children up to young adulthood. And also we have a contract working to help provide any unclaimed ashes that are within uh, care of state care or to be able to bury as well. So those are options that are a little more financially accessible and they're very beautiful. So you can plant a perennial flower, you can plant, uh, we have a lavender bush there, different options in that. Our tree burials, as of right now, start with a seven by seven plot, which is about 50 square feet, just under. In that space, you can bury as many sets of ashes as you'd like. We have an all-inclusive pricing. Part of what Matt and I talked about when he came out was that to the forest, we, I found it very stressful when I was in the process of burying my mom that I didn't understand the pricing structure because I felt like everything was menu itemed out, but you needed everything on the menu. So I was like, well, you know, why don't you just kind of put it all right there? Right. right. Um, Make it all inclusive. Just all inclusive. It's just, it's just much easier for the families in a time where they can't think very clearly. So our seven by seven plot includes a tree that will grow and thrive within that space. We have some beautiful trees, sourwood trees, weeping cherry trees. We have hydrangea trees. And um, within that, you get two openings, as many burials as you'd like. Uh, burial baskets, we, we don't use uh, a traditional urn. We do a burial basket or direct burial in the ground. Whatever family wants includes that. It in, doesn't, there's no opening fees. There's no closing fees. Like there's no, oh, you want to put four dogs, your aunt, and that's fine. You paid for this space. Like yeah. that's not a hundred dollars, 200, yeah. come on. Um, and it also includes your celebration of life page and your memorial marker. And of course your tree. So that cost is 3,500. 
And that includes everything. And as for the future, I mean, I know it's still a young concept and a startup, but uh, it seems to be taking off. Are there thoughts of opening other locations uh, in, of Life Forest? Yeah, uh, uh, we, we are actively engaged in uh, looking for land, opening other locations. We have amazing potential partnerships as well. We have, there is a a beautiful facility in Auburn, Maine uh, that we called Compassionate Composting. And she offers animal and large animal com- composting. And then we would offer burials uh, for those compasts. And she has a lot of acreage. So we're looking at that. And we are looking in Connecticut. We're looking in the Massachusetts area, actually anywhere within the the New England area as a start, probably just a, a different state than New Hampshire to begin with, to branch out, no pun intended, or maybe. <laughs> I was, yeah, was going to say puns usually are intended <laughs> with this audience, but there yeah. you go. So um, yeah, we, we have our, a list. Uh, the, the challenge is we very, very much want to ensure that we follow cemetery law. So right now we're working with our legal team in order to understand cemetery law in the different locations. But we have done a very good job, thanks to my amazing business partner of... John John the Brit, right? John John the Brit. John. He's very (laughs) tall. Yeah. And a very nice man, but... (laughs) I always make fun of him because Two he's, great qualities, tall he's and nice. way better looking than I am and so <laughs> and has a little bit more financial reach than I do. So what a team we are. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my word. Well, we need our own reality show, actually. You, you know, you're, you're halfway there about joining the podcast here. So Yeah, halfway. Awesome. awesome. Uh, thanks to Mike back there and his amazing facility that he has for us. <laughs> and what's the name of this place? Pitching Mike again. All right. Clark I, Creative. Clark Creative. Yes. Like, I... I'm going to tell you, it's very impressive. So if you have to to record anything, come here. There uh, it is. Yeah, we got a thumbs up for Mike. We yes, gotta, um, it's wonderful. Mel, I feel like I could just talk to you for hours and days and hours and hours and hours. Um, and maybe we'll do that after this. But um, I want to thank you. Um, Mel Bennett is the co-founder of Life Forest. Thank you so much for joining us, telling your story, and being so compassionate and so thoughtful about something that is so difficult for so many people. Thank you so much for joining us. Aww. It's been a fascinating discussion. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, guys. I feel honored to be here. Well, and uh, it's going to be an amazing uh, show that you have. I'm definitely going to subscribe. How would I do that? Well, <laughs> you can find us. We're working on that. You can, fi- you can <laughs> find Mike us laughing. wherever you find your favorite podcast. That's we'll it. be there. Oh, I love we it. We will. We'll be right there. Yeah. All right. Well, thank Ooh. you. And I appreciate the time that you guys gave to us. Thank you. And now the buzz with Matt Mowry. Let's talk about what businesses are buzzing about this week. Portsmouth-based Nearview uh, is a participant in the University of New Hampshire's Foster Program, which helps small businesses access federal grant funding. Well, Nearview recently received $150,000 from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration to develop an artificial intelligence model for its aerial drone environmental services. 
And it's all done through this FOSTER program. FOSTER is an initiative led by UNH Innovation that seeks to increase the number of New Hampshire small businesses, particularly those in underserved communities, that successfully compete for research and development funding from the Federal Small Business Innovation Research and Small Business Technology Transfer Programs. So historically, only a handful of New Hampshire businesses have actually received these type of grants. This program offers New Hampshire businesses free services such as grant identification, training, advice, and proposal support. And since its launch in 2020, Foster has provided training to approximately 45 New Hampshire companies and awarded seven of them, uh, including Nearview, microgrants for additional proposal development assistance. So keep that in mind for your next innovation purposes. On another note, the pandemic continues to raise concerns about the viability of some businesses. The recent release Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Voices survey shows 44% of small business owners have less than three months cash reserves, putting their businesses and employees in danger should a COVID-19-related shutdown or other emergency occur. In a troubling sign of an uneven recovery, the number is higher, 51% for Black-owned small businesses. And 41% of small businesses said they were concerned that debt accumulated prior to or during the pandemic will hurt their ability to get back to normal. So 88% support the federal government providing additional financial emergency assistance given the rise of new COVID-19 cases. And a whopping 91% support the creation of a long-term low-interest loan guarantee program to help small businesses rebuild their balance sheets. And if that's something you believe in too, start picking up the phone, calling your, your reps. And that's what we're buzzing about this week. Welcome to the Cardinal Corner. I'm Nathan Carroll. This week is part three of our four-part series on the foundations of building a business. So far, you've chosen something you're passionate about, or so we hope. You've thought about your strengths and weaknesses, and you're developing your business plan. Now it's time to decide on and secure the name of your business. Here's a quick disclaimer. I'm not an attorney or a CPA, but there are some amazing ones out there. Throughout the building process, you should be consulting an attorney focused on business law and an accountant or CPA to determine the best business type for your situation. So what do I mean? Businesses come in as many, many different shapes and sizes. Uh, Is an S-corp or a C-corp or an LLC or an LLP? What's right for you? Um, Seek advice. Again, seek advice from a qualified professional, a CPA, a business lawyer, to make these determinations because they are foundational. They cannot change easily once they are made. So how about that business name? Sure, you could name it the Bob Smith Company. Bob Smith, if you're out there, please don't name it the Bob Smith Company. Think about this. Does it describe what you do or a product that you offer? Does the name have a story? Is it easy to read or pronounce? Would the web address be a mile long? Now that you've answered all those questions, right, how do you find out if someone in your state already owns your business name? Easy. Contact the Secretary of State. Here in New Hampshire, it's easy. You can search every registered business in the state online at the Secretary of State's website, sos.nh.gov. 
Thanks for joining me in the Cardinal Corner. And yes, there is a story to that name of Cardinal. Find out more at our website, cardinalconsultingnh.com, or on social at cardinalconsultingnh. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard in today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a joint production of Business NH Magazine and Cardinal Consulting. Listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.